When a master craves the body of his slave more than the air he breathes, who is the master and who is the slave? Idly contemplating this conundrum, he sat before the late news with a knob of ginger and a paring knife, a cloth spread on his lap to catch the thin parings. His brow puckered with concentration as he scraped and carved the firm, creamy meat of the root into a cylinder about an inch thick and three inches long with a rounded tip and a substantial flange at the base. Watching the news was a ruse for Emma's benefit. Are you coming to bed yet? She had asked. No, I'll be up when the news is over. He twirled the finished pillar of ginger between his thumb and forefinger, examining it in the blue glow of the television for any bumps or protrusions. He gave a satisfied grunt. The shape was perfect. The cool, moist flesh oozed a faint but sharply scented dew that could temporarily scald the most intimate mucous membranes of the human body with a heat that might make a man lose his mind or renounce his god. He shuddered with delight, picturing the effect on her. Animated was how the websites described the victim of figging. For twenty minutes, the ginger plug would fling her into a paroxysm of agony. Then it would be all over, with no harm done. The perfect torture for the perfect woman. Sonnet, his dark-haired and milky-skinned slave. But who was slave and who was master, when he craved her flesh like a drug? When just the thought of her full breasts with their thick, rosy nipples and her soft, silky arse threw him into raptures? Fashionistas would condemn her as plump, but he thanked God for her luscious cheeks and thighs. There was so much more of her to savor than you'd find in those scrawny coat hangers of girls his colleagues trotted out as mistresses. Sonnet. My darling Sonnet. Just hearing her name in his mind's ear made him rigid. Before going up to bed, he diced the ginger into the kitchen compost and dropped the paring knife into his briefcase in the breakfast nook. He had the technique down pat now. He would sculpt the next one before her eyes. As he lathered and scraped his face in the morning, he was still thinking about her, but when was he not? He could see her on the bed, so helpless, so beautiful. How odd that such a chance encounter can change a life, that a young woman could plunge a man deep into his own unconscious sludge and bring him face to face with the fearsomely twisted demons that lurked there. Where were such creatures spawned? And how is it that she brought them out? Was he destined to confront them, if there was such a thing as destiny? If there was, Sonnet was his. In the cafe after months of dalliance online, she had made no bones about her intentions. She was a slave seeking a master, a man who would own her sexually, Whenever he wanted her, she would be there for his pleasure. Whatever he wanted to do with a woman, he could do it to her. She needed, needed, she emphasized, a man to whom she could refuse nothing. How long had he borne with the refusal of almost everything in his own marriage bed? On impulse, he'd said, I'd like to try to be that man for you. And he was, two months later, clattering down the stairs and whistling like a schoolboy. You're chipper this morning, said Emma as she buttered the toast. Well, it's Friday. Oh, sweetheart, that reminds me. I meant to tell you, 
I'm staying over in town again tonight. I'm sorry. He crunched his toast nonchalantly, scanning the business section. It's okay, darling. I'll go visit Mother. How are those meetings going, by the way? Oh, the perks of heading up the corporate section at the firm. She never complained about his overtime, and he could book the suite at the Carlton on his personal expense tab. These meetings with private clients, all rather hush-hush, you know, he'd wink, always detained him so late he might as well stay overnight. He shrugged. It's hard to tell. You just have to schmooze them for a while and see what happens. I take it one meeting at a time.